You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. chases away the darkness of night each new day. But the true light brings hope. The true light brings hope. Remember, as we were discussing verses 1 through 5, we said that one of the key themes in John's gospel was light, and that he used the word light 36 times. The Greek word used in our scriptures for light is phos. It means to give off light or expressing light that can be seen with the naked eye. John the Baptist preached repentance and pointed people to Jesus, referring to him as the light. Jesus brings light and exposes the things hidden in the dark places of your heart. Today, Pastor Dave will be explaining how the light of Jesus is within you, and you should be letting your light shine before others. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 1. As he begins his message, the true light has come. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who would believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. There's a story about a rabbi by the name of Hugo Grin. When Hugo was but a little boy, He and his family were sent to the concentration camp Auschwitz. In the midst of the concentration camp, in the midst of the death, midst of the horror that was all around of, many of the Jews wanted to keep as much of their Jewish religion as possible. They wanted to keep their religion intact. And they had to do this quietly because they didn't want to draw attention to themselves or the ire of the guards. Hugo tells this story of one cold, cold winter night that his father gathered all around in the barracks. It was the first night of Hanukkah, the Jewish festival of lights. The young child watched in horror as his father took the family's last pat of butter and he fashioned it into a makeshift candle, and he used a string from his tattered clothing as a wick. Then he took a match, and he lit the candle. Hugo cried out, Father, no! That butter is our last bit of food. How will we survive? Hugo's father gently said to the boy, We can live for many days without food, but we cannot live a single minute without faith and hope. This fire 
represents the light of hope. Never let it go. Not here, not anywhere. Light. Light can provide vision as it illuminates the dark. The light of dawn chases away the darkness of night each new day. But the true light brings hope. The true light brings hope. Remember as we were discussing verses 1 through 5, we said that one of the key themes in John's gospel was light. And that he used the word light 36 times. The Greek word used in our scriptures for light is phos. It means to give off light or expressing light that can be seen with the naked eye. We get our word phosphorus from it, which means light bearing. We said, as we studied verses 1 through 5, that light was one of the essentials of life. But light gives hope. The Apostle John wants us to know that Jesus Christ is the light. And that he has come into this darkened world so that the world might through him believe. As long as we receive the light, true light that has come into the world, we can have this hope. So as we look at our verses this morning, there are four things that I want to share with you about the light. And going back with verses 6 through 9, we're going to talk about the light was proclaimed. And then we're going to look at the light was true. And then we're going to see that the light was rejected. And then we're going to look at the light was received. Now you remember, as we're studying chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, John is building a thesis, if you will. John is building something here. He's building evidence and a premise that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that by believing on Him, you might have eternal life. You can read that in chapter 20, verses 31 and 30. 30 and 31. Yeah, that works. And as we review the first five verses, John told us, quite frankly, that Jesus is the Word of God. He's the Logos, the Word of God. John told us that Jesus is eternal. The Word is eternal. John told us that the Word is God. Jesus is God. He said that the word is life. Jesus is life. And he said that the word is the light of men. Jesus is that light. And in our study last week, we discussed the man sent from God to proclaim the light. And this is our first point. The light was proclaimed in verses 6 through 9. The mission of John the Baptist was to proclaim the light. Look at 6 and 7. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. God sent a man. His name was John. He became known to us as John the Baptist. And he was to tell about the light so that everyone would believe. He came to bear witness of the light. He came to herald that the light was coming to proclaim that indeed it had come. Prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 9, verse 2, and you'll be hearing a lot about that as we go into the Christmas season because this is used, this prophecy is used to foretell the birth of Christ. But in chapter 9, verse 2, the prophet says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. It's interesting here. Here we see the prophet Isaiah 
looking into the future some 800 years. And he proclaims down in verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Isaiah the prophet is looking 800 years into the future to the birth of the Christ child. A child that would bring light into a darkened world. That child would be the true light, the likes of which the world has never seen. And when this child comes, there's going to be great joy. And it's interesting to me that another thing we celebrate at Christmas time is the angels heralding Jesus' birth. What did he say? Or what did the angels say? Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy. That child is born. The true light brings hope. Great joy in our hearts of men everywhere. Now, Matthew, when Matthew is writing his gospel in chapter 4, he takes this very prophecy, the very prophecy that I told you about, and he says it was fulfilled by none other than Jesus Christ. An interesting note here, if you will, Jesus' ministry centered around the region of Galilee. Centers around the region of Galilee, and Galilee at that time was a very dark and despised area. Nazareth was in Galilee. Gal Galilee, wow. Who remembers Nathaniel's words as he sat under a tree when Jesus came to him? Or when, when Andrew came to him and said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was a despised and darkened area. So John the Baptist proclaims that the true light has come. But look at verse 8 back in uh, John. He makes it clear that he's not the light. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. John the Baptist was not the light, but he told crowds listening to him that he was only a forerunner of someone who would come and give to them the Holy Spirit, but that they must repent of their sin. They must change their attitude in preparation for meeting the true light. John was preparing them to meet the true light. He wanted their hearts to be correct so that they could receive the true light. Now the Apostle John is very careful to specify that John the Baptist was not the genuine light, but that he came to attest of it and point the way. And if you remember in the Gospels, the Pharisees accused John the Baptist of being the Messiah. And he says, no, I'm not. And even when the disciples were asked, who do men say I am? They said, John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist made it quite clear, I'm not him. I am not him. There is one that comes after me who is preferred before me. And we'll find out that he says things like, I can't even tie his sandal straps. I'm not even worthy of that. As I said, the Apostle John is building a case here. He wants the readers to know and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. John the Baptist is his witness, his first witness, and he'll use other witnesses during his gospel. Listen to what one commentator said, quote, it was for a witness that John came and nothing else. And nothing else that he did can be compared in importance to this. And this led me to believe. There's great importance to witnessing. There's great importance to witnessing Christ in our lives. Whether we do it by our lives, the way we live, or whether we do it verbally, when we speak to somebody about what Jesus has done in our life. There's very important there. It's an important thing. In fact, the Holy Spirit was given to us to help us and empower us to be witnesses of Christ. 
The apostle further illustrates this by saying John himself was not the light. He was called to bear witness of it. And although the apostle brings out the greatness of John, he also makes it clear his limitations. John wasn't the light, and he knew all too well that he was not the light. This was the whole reason for his appearance. This was why he was sent from God. The apostle wants his readers to know that John the Baptist was not the light, but the true light had come. This is the second thing we see about the light. It was true. The light was the true light. Look at verse 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. The true light had come. The true light. The true word here is aletheon. Aletheon in the Greek. And it means real or genuine. As opposed to a facsimile or secondary rather than false. It was the true light. Not a counterfeit light. It was the true light. Remember. One of the things that are going to happen in the end times is that many will come and say, I'm the Christ, or there's the Christ, but it won't be the true Christ. And we're to be aware of that. We're to look out for that. The true Christ has come. The true light has come. Christ is the true light of humanity. And he entered the world. He was the word made flesh to dwell among us. The word of God, the logos, has came to, come to earth as a man. Now, as we were looking up on 4 and 5, we said that Christ is the true light. He's brighter than any light that has ever shined. Christ is the great light that shines into the hearts of men and women everywhere. He's the great light that shines in the midst of darkness. The world has been called out of darkness. The world has been called out of darkness. Christ beckons us. He bids us. He bids you to come out of the darkness into his marvelous light. In fact, the Apostle Peter says these very words. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 2.9 calls you a chosen nation, or excuse me, a, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him. Why? Who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Witness. That's what witness is. We're proclaiming the truth. We're proclaiming the truth of who Christ is. But sadly, many rejected the light, including his own people. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Here we see the light rejected. We had the, right, the light proclaimed, and now we have the true light, and now we see the light rejected. Why did the world reject the light? Well, first of all, they didn't know him. They didn't know him. And the world refers to the people to whom Jesus came. This boggles my mind. Now, I was an unbeliever for a long time, so I do kind of understand this, but it boggles my mind. Jesus the light came to shine light into the darkness. He was in the world. John already told us that nothing was made that wasn't made by him, including the world, including everybody. But the world didn't know him. The world couldn't grasp the fact that he had come. They still can't grasp the fact that he's been here. They still can't look at that. They look at us like we have three heads when we say these kind of things. That's the world of man. See if you can follow my thinking here. When I read scripture, it appears that some aspects of creation 
and some aspects of the world did know him. They did recognize him. Let me give you a few examples. Every time he came to someone who was demon-possessed, the demon would yell out, what do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth, son of the most high God? They knew who he was. The demons knew who he was and declared who he was. Obviously, the wind and the sea knew who he was. They were in a ship that was about ready to sink. And he stood up and said, peace be still. And it calmed the storm. The rocks knew who he was. The Pharisee said, stop your people from crying out. He said, if I don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. The rocks knew who he was. The stones would cry out. It was only the darkened minds of men who did not know who Jesus was, who don't know who Jesus is today. They failed to recognize him. He was in the world. The world was made by him, and yet the world knew him not. And there was a little donkey sitting there who had never been ridden before. I bet he knew who Jesus was because when Jesus sat upon him, the donkey was docile and just walked. Donkey knew who Jesus was. But the world rejected him because they didn't know him. They didn't know him. But the world didn't want to know him. Why? Why didn't the world want to know him? And this is the second reason why he was rejected. Because when the true light came, it shined upon their sin. It shined upon their sin. The world rejected him because the true light was shining in him. And in 319 of John, it says... The darkness loved, excuse me, they loved darkness better than light. The sin. Back in 1960, a group, Simon and his pet Garfunkel, actually it was just Simon and Garfunkel, they sang a song and it began like this. Hello darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk to you again. This accurately describes how many of us still feel today. The darkness is our friend. The darkness is our friend, and we live in spiritual darkness because we do not recognize the fact that the true light has come into the world. And we live in perpetual darkness. We become used to it. We're comfortable in it, and it's our place of safety. Believe that. Our darkness is our place to safety until... The light of Christ shines into that darkness and the darkness scatters and flees all around and you're left all by yourself. You and Christ. And all of a sudden, your sins are glaring at you. Your sins are raging at you. The true light has come into the world to show us our sins, to shine the light in the midst of our darkened lives. And in verse 11, it says, even his own rejected him even his own rejected him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Not only did the world reject Jesus, but his own people rejected Jesus. He told them, I've come to the lost sheep of Israel. I've come to Israel, the lost sheep. He was their promised Messiah. He fulfilled every single prophecy about him in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled it to the letter, and they refused to believe him. What did they tell Pontius Pilate when he said, here's your king. We have no king but Caesar. We are not going to let this man rule over us. 
his own people. Fulfilling Isaiah 53, he, Jesus, was despised and rejected by men. When he came into the world, the world didn't know him. He didn't come as an alien. He came as one of us. He didn't come as an alien. The, the word of God, the logos, made life, made flesh, didn't go where he could not have been expected to be known. He went to where he should have been expected to be known. They should have known him. He came home to the people who were expecting him. They were expecting the Messiah to come. They knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. They were expecting the Messiah to come. And folks, I've said this before. I'll say it again. There are buses in Israel today that drive down the street, beautiful, great big public service buses with a great big sign saying, the Messiah is coming. They're still waiting. They're still expecting the Messiah. And boy, when he comes back this time, it'll be a tad different. It'll be a tad different than it was last time. But he was coming. And read your scriptures. Even the Pharisees didn't know, and he held them accountable. You should have known. You should have known that this was when I was supposed to come. It gets worse. Even Jesus' own family didn't recognize it. Even his brothers and sisters didn't recognize it until after the resurrection. The light was rejected by the world. His own people, his own family, he was rejected. The world rejected the truth. And this great, gives me great solace when I start to witness to somebody, or when I start to witness to somebody about Jesus and they turn me down and they don't respond the way I think they're going to respond, the only thing I can think of is, well, wait a minute. They're not rejecting me. They're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting the Christ. Although it hurts to be rejected, but I can only imagine how he felt. By rejecting Jesus, they're rejecting the truth. People are still rejecting the truth today. What happens when you reject the truth? We studied it in Romans 1. In Romans 1, beginning in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Jesus came to the world to sacrifice himself for the sins of the world. And we rejected him. The world rejected him. I rejected him for 40 some odd years. I rejected him. We rejected him because we're afraid to change. We like the darkness. We're comfortable in the darkness, so we don't want to change. We rejected him because he called us not only to believe, but he called us to repent and believe. By rejecting him, we've demonstrated our foolishness. That's what Paul said in Romans. We've demonstrated our foolishness by rejecting him. Get this. God has offered us grace, hope, and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And we said no to God. But there's glorious news, my friends. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.